kids podcast. <laughs> you can go slow. A kids podcast about. Boil water advisories have been lifted across the United States, but in cities throughout the country, citizens and residents are still struggling to access the safe water they deserve. This ongoing water crisis in the United States is worth noting. Last episode, we talked about the lack of drinkable water recently experienced in two major cities in the United States, Jackson, Mississippi and Baltimore, Maryland. The good news is that boil water advisories in West Baltimore, as well as across the city of Jackson, have been lifted. However, the water crisis is far from over for hundreds of thousands of residents. In Jackson, No matter what the city government of Jackson says publicly about the safety of the water, residents of the city have still seen brown water running from their sinks and faucets. For some people, the water is still not flowing. Or if it is, it's coming out in a trickle. Not enough water to wash clothes, take baths, cook food, or flush toilets. The water emergency in Jackson is so bad and has been going on for so long that in September 2022, residents of the city decided to sue. According to Axios News, the lawsuit says that during the long period where the city pipes had no water pressure and were unable to facilitate the flow of water, residents of Jackson could not flush their toilets for days at a time. This public health crisis decades in the making, was wholly foreseeable by the city of Jackson's actions and has left Jackson's residents in an untenable position without access to clean, safe water in 2022 in a major United States city. The residents of Jackson are also saying that they were poisoned by lead and other contaminants released in Jackson's drinking water before the water supply failed in August. And this is not the first time the government of Jackson has been sued for not taking care of the city's water supply. Axios also reports that Jackson also faces a federal lawsuit filed last year in 2021 by attorneys representing around 1,800 kids that allege that the city government and the state health department failed to prevent lead from contaminating the city's water supply. In the lawsuit, the people of Jackson are asking for the resources and support they need to help with the health issues caused by the lack of safe water. They are seeking damages and relief, including regular testing, removal of contaminated pipes, cancellation of bills and debts for contaminated or undelivered water, and community health centers for those affected by contaminated water. But if the government of Jackson and the state of Mississippi have already failed to keep the city's water safe, how can the people of Jackson make sure that they get the protections that they need? In addition to asking for the Mississippi courts to help them, the people of Jackson are also looking for support from the U.S. federal or national government. The U.S. Department of Justice agrees with the residents of Jackson and is ready to take action to make sure that they have the clean water and sanitation they deserve. 
In a letter to the city officials of Jackson, the Department of Justice wrote, The United States also believes that an imminent and substantial endangerment to the human health exists, as evidenced by the roughly 300 boil water notices that have been issued over the past two years. The multiple line breaks during that same time period and the recent drinking water crisis, where most residents did not have access to running water for many days. You heard that right. The people of Jackson have been asked over 300 times in the past two years to boil their water in order for it to be drinkable. They have also seen dangerous levels of lead and other harmful metals in their water because of old and rusty pipes. In addition to the action promised by the U.S. Department of Justice, the Environmental Protection Agency, or the EPA, has also entered into negotiations with city officials to enforce existing agreements. Because in 2021, over a year before the most recent crisis, the EPA outlined 40 things that the city needed to fix in order to keep Jackson's water safe and drinkable. The city has failed to meet many of its agreements, but advocates and citizens of Jackson are determined to hold the city and state governments accountable and to put pressure on the federal government to help them. Reverend Willie Tobias, pastor of the New Mount Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Jackson, has this to say. When you have people who are without uh, water, which is a necessity of life, it doesn't matter if you're black, brown, green, yellow, Republican, Democrat, do what needs to be done so individuals will not be without water. If funds can be made available to fund a war, if funds can be made available to replenish uh, pots or whatever for paying off student loans, funds can be made, made available to cover infrastructure issues or pipes for water. In, in my opinion, it's about individuals deciding where the funds should go. What we know about the water crises happening across the United States and around the world are that the people most affected are Black, Indigenous, or other people of color. Also, people who live in poor cities and countries are the most likely to experience water shortages and water pollution first. These groups often live in cities or on reservations with the least amount of money and power. Their concerns are overlooked by government officials or ignored by companies with more money and more influence. In the United States, the most recent water issues have affected cities with large populations of Black people. Cities like Flint, Michigan, Baltimore, Maryland, and yes, Jackson, Mississippi. And before those cities began to experience issues with old pipes or brown tap water, many Native American and indigenous groups across the country were speaking up loudly against water pollution. Indigenous people, many of whom proudly call themselves water protectors, refuse to accept that companies can win against the needs of people, animals, and the environment. Water protectors have been fighting to keep sacred rivers, lakes, and other waterways free from fossil fuel pollution, chemical waste from industrial factories, and dumping or littering from construction for generations. Have you heard of the Standing Rock protests? Maybe it's been mentioned in school or on the news. In 2016, the Dakota Access Company 
began construction on an oil pipeline that covered over 1,000 miles and intersected with the Missouri River near the Standing Rock Sioux Tribes Reservation. The Standing Rock water protectors asked the federal government to help stop construction because there was a very large chance that this pipeline would poison the water supply. When that didn't work, the water protectors collected hundreds of thousands of signatures on a petition and organized thousands of protesters from across the country to camp out on the Dakota Access Pipeline construction site. For weeks, tribal elders, young people, visitors, and allies stood up together for the right to protect sacred waterways and the right to clean and safe water. In the end, the Obama administration approved the oil pipeline's construction. But even though this was a huge loss, those water protectors never gave up. They continued to fight and protest. When I'm worried about a big problem or I see a big injustice in the world that I don't know exactly how to fix, I think about all of the brave people who came before me that fought for the lives and the dignity of their fellow human beings. The Standing Rock Sioux Tribe and the many advocates who fought with them did not give up. And in 2020, after the Dakota pipeline turned out to be as dangerous as the water protectors thought it would be, the Dakota Access Pipeline Company was ordered to stop its operations and drain all of its remaining oil safely. Nina Berglund of the Northern Cheyenne and Oglala Lakota tribes, who was one of the youth water protectors at Standing Rock, wrote about this long-fought victory. She said, As a young water protector, I spent the majority of my teen years strongly objecting the fossil fuel industry, oil companies, and the racist ideologies that come with destroying everything my people have ever known. I started my journey unsure of what impacts I could make on not only my family and community, but the larger population. I know there was a flame that was ignited into the hearts of the young people. I have met them, and I consider them some of my dearest friends. This win isn't just for the Hunkpapa Lakota on the Standing Rock Reservation, but the thousands of water protectors all around the world that stood with us and those who continue to be strong allies. Nina and so many other water protectors remind us that standing up for clean water is what we should be doing for ourselves, for young people, and for future generations. So, your homework this week is to read more about the water protectors of Standing Rock and across the country. In school and at home, keep talking about the ongoing water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi. Keep asking questions and keep encouraging the grown-ups in your life to use their voices and resources to help people facing water insecurity. This problem is not going away unless we keep learning and we keep working together to protect our water. I'm Nicole, and this is Worth Noting. This episode of Worth Noting was written by me, Nicole Young. Editing and production support by Matthew Winner. Audio production is by Chad Michael Snavely and the team at Sound On Studios. Our executive producer is Jelani Memory. 
And this show was brought to you by A Kids Co. If you've enjoyed the show, consider giving us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, you are always invited to listen to other podcasts made for kids just like you by visiting akidsco.com. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.